MSW Media. Thanks to Delete Me for supporting the show. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com/dailybeans and use promo code dailybeans at checkout. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, December 1st, 2023. Today, the House debates on whether to expel George Santos as a vote is scheduled this afternoon. The New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division has reinstated Judge Angoron's dual gag orders on Donald Trump. Representative Scott Perry's texts are mistakenly unsealed by the D.C. court. Elon Musk tells Disney's Bob Iger to go fuck himself. The Florida GOP chair and husband of Moms of Liberty founder is accused of sexual battery by a person they had a threesome with. No, I am not making up these headlines. A federal judge will not stop the Biden administration from taking down razor wire in Texas. A former Bedminster employee says she was sexually harassed and tricked into signing a non-disclosure agreement by Alina Haba. Ken Cheesebro will be answering questions in both Nevada and Arizona state investigations into the fraudulent elector scheme. And just breaking, it appears he's cooperating with the Nevada prosecution. Rep Andy Ogles doesn't have a bank account and also got a mysterious loan to bolster his campaign. A Texas man is sentenced to two years in prison for threatening an election worker. And the Senate Judiciary Committee voted to subpoena Leonard Leo and Harlan Crow. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Almost a record. Almost a record, my friend. That introduction exhausted me. <laughs> there were so many. It would be, you know, not as close to a record if I didn't have to insert the part where I said that I'm not making these headlines up. I mean, it is really hard to believe the onion. I'm surprised that our reality hasn't just put the onion completely out of business at this point. They have really had to bend over backwards to get satire up and running again over at the onion. I'm telling you what. Uh, yeah, December's coming in like a wrecking ball with some record setting news reports today. Dana, I hope you're feeling better and taking care of yourself. I am definitely taking care of myself. I feel like I'm upswing despite what my voice sounds like. Um, you know, just trying to get my lungs back and um, resting. I'm still resting. And I've been I've been quarantining like I should, even though I don't have a fever. I will continue to stay this way, even if I test negative. So I'm going to I'm going to keep the keep the the path. I'm saying things that don't make sense. I have COVID brain, everyone, if you're just joining us and miss yesterday. I'm just making shit up, which is actually no different than I normally sound on the podcast. No, you make more sense than I do on most days, my friends. So <laughs> don't even worry about it. Um, but we have so much news. We have four blocks today, including Fugel saying Friday. But let's kick it off with some quick hits. And to make a long story short, too late. All right. First up, as we record this episode, the House is debating the resolution to expel George Santos. They are set to vote later today, Friday afternoon. We don't know if they'll have the two-thirds vote needed to expel him, but they'll be closer than they have been the past two attempts to kick him out of the body. If expelled, he'll be just the sixth member booted from the chamber, I think, in history. And the governor of New York will have a couple of months to hold a special election. My beans are barely on him not being expelled, and I'll go into more detail on that with John Fugelsang later in the show. All right, and this is from the incredible Phil Williams at News Channel 5 in Nashville. Where did Congressman Andy Ogles get $320,000 that he claims to have loaned his campaign? Well, as News Channel 5 investigates, 
follow the money involving Middle Tennessee's newest member of Congress, that investigation turned up even more questions about Mara County Republican. Ogles has not disclosed any substantial investments. He doesn't even report having a savings account. Wait, what is with these people not having bank accounts? Ogles had kicked off his campaign claiming he had raised $453,000 in the first 30 days. Though when the report was eventually filed, he had only raised 254000 Ogles also reported he personally loaned 320000 to his campaign, supposedly giving himself a formidable war chest. Well, fake loans is what George Santos was indicted for. So we're going to keep you posted on this story as it develops. Yeah, boy, you do not want to be a Republican on the wrong side of Phil Williams at Channel 5 Nashville. That guy is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And a panel of justices in the First Division Appellate Court in New York State unanimously ruled to reinstate Judge Arthur Engoron's dual gag orders that prevent Trump and his lawyers from attacking Judge Engoron's court staff. Within an hour of the gag order being reinstated, Trump took to Truth Social and attacked Judge Engoron and his wife and his son none of whom are covered by either gag order, but that could change. Maybe. I mean, he could modify the gag orders, but there's only about two weeks left in the $250 million civil fraud trial. And we will cover this, plus the fact that the court found the tweets that Trump ascribed to Engeron's wife were not hers, per a Laura Loomer conspiracy theory that I'm actually tied up in. Somebody said that uh, this the, the wife of Judge Engeron was retweeting me who knows? Uh, this is all going to be on the next episode of Clean Up on All 45. Also in that case, the Trump org appointed monitor, Barbara Jones. You remember she was the special master over Cohen and Rudy mm-hmm. Giuliani, and they appointed her to dissolve the New York businesses and monitor his ass because he apparently created the Trump organization too. Too. Very creative. <laughs> well, she said she found that some $50 million in cash went unreported. Uh, and so she reported that to the court and asked for more details on that. Pete and I will go over that, too. It's so mind-blowing. Everyone else would be in jail if Trump was doing what's going on in the the Engeron case. But I think you and I spoke about this before. He's doing everything he can to get the judge to, like, have a reaction so that he can ask for a mistrial. And Judge Engeron is really just staying the course. It's pretty impressive, especially when he attacks his wife. Yeah. All right, AG, thank you. Now, a Texas man who was the first arrest by a Justice Department tax force that investigates threats to election workers... He's been sentenced to two years in prison over posts made following the 2020 election. Federal prosecutors announced that on Wednesday. Chad Christopher Stark, who happens to be 55, um, was accused of posting threatening messages on Craigslist about killing government officials in Georgia. He pleaded guilty earlier this year to one count of communication interstate threats. Stark's arrest was the first by the Justice Department's Election Threats Task Force, which was launched in 2021 amid a rising tide of violent threats against people who count and secure the vote. Craigslist? I didn't even know. Didn't even know. What section of Craigslist would you put threats to kill government officials? Insurrections. Yeah, misconnections. Yeah. Insurrections. (laughs) Insurrections. Insurrections and misconnections. Insurrections and misconnections. I love it. I love it. Uh, Yeah, I... I'm really interested in like, is it going to be like, I need a mime for my French garden party and I want to kill government officials. Like, what are you good? How are, I don't understand. (laughs) Okay. Two years though. And this task force is uh, got their first caller. Excellent. Next up from CNN, 
as Representative Scott Perry was making clear he wanted to contest Donald Trump's loss of the presidency in the 2020 election, his conversations with a Justice Department official took him inside the then president's management of the agency. Perry's text messages revealed for the first time in court filings on Wednesday accidentally, oops, included several communications in late December 2020 and early January 2021 with Jeff Clark. The D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals above Howell looked at her opinion and other underlying records confidentially, but the appeals court briefly made Howell's writing public on Wednesday afternoon before taking it down from their website, suggesting a mistake had been made. We will talk about the substance of those texts and why the court may have taken the filing down and what the appellate court decided. Did they get none of Scott Perry's shit because the speech or debate clause? Did they get some of it? We'll talk about all of that. We'll clear it up for you on the Jack Podcast Sunday. All right. And the Senate Judiciary Committee voted today to subpoena Harlan Crow and Leonard Leo as they continue to investigate the corrupt financial disclosures of conservative Supreme Court justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. They were able to vote on the subpoenas after a rule change that blocked Republicans on the committee from adding countless amendments to kill the resolution. Most Republicans walked out of the hearing in protest because they lost. (laughs) Lindsey Graham stayed, but they were mad. They were mad that Dems took off the gloves and changed the rules and said, fuck you. I'm proud. I'm proud of the Democrats and the Senate Judiciary for this. We got to learn how to fight them. Mm -hmm. Now, Leonard Leo says he's he's not going to show up. Um, I I think he should be criminally referred like uh, Steve Bannon and Pete Navarro were. 100%. Flouting their... Congressional subpoenas. And remember when Ken Chesbrough asked the Fulton County Probation Office for permission to travel to Arizona and Nevada? Oh, yeah. To, quote, meet with counsel, et cetera. And I told Pete Strzok, boy, et cetera is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. (laughs) (laughs) Et cetera. Well, we got confirmation today that he is indeed traveling to answer prosecutor questions in front of grand juries in both states about the 2020 fraudulent electors scheme. Godspeed to the cheese in his U.S. squeal tour. Like I've always said, Mar-a-Lago is a magical place where men enter as lawyers and leave as witnesses. And there's so much more, Dana, we didn't have time to cover today, including Trump's own lawyer, Jennifer Little, telling Jack Smith she told Donald that if he didn't give back classified documents that were subpoenaed, that would be a crime. We'll cover that on Sunday's episode of Jack. Um, By the way, she was forced to testify under the crime fraud exception. (laughs) Hee hee. Uh, the stock market is soaring right now. It's up over like 500 points today. It's almost at 36, 37,000. The economy is very strong. We got over 14 million jobs, 5.9% growth. Also, there were more hostages released today. Uh, the ceasefire is being extended by another day. Uh, we'll have updates on all of that on Monday's Beans. Uh, but there was so much news today. Those are the quick hits. We'll be right back after this quick break with the hot notes. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by Delete Me, a useful subscription service that monitors the web for your personal information and deletes it for you. Your personal data is all over the Internet, which can make it be very vulnerable to a host of threats such as identity theft, online scams, endless robocalls, even doxing. That's why your online privacy matters and you can protect yourself with Delete Me. My political views have put a target on my back, as you know from some of the worst people online. And I don't want anyone to harass or dox me, especially since I filed my lawsuit against the you-know-who. It would be easy for them or someone else to run phishing or phone scams and attempt to obtain my personal information from large data brokers on the web. But Delete Me gives me peace of mind. My subscription to Delete Me constantly monitors and removes unwanted personal information. And I got my first report, my personalized data report. 
there was so much. It's like they went through thousands of filings. They removed them all. They listed them all. They showed me everything that had come off and they showed me everything that's in process of being removed uh, and, and other things that they're looking at. It's just it's a really easy to read report. And there's so much information that was out there that is no longer out there. I feel much safer. Once you sign up and inform them what information you want to look out for, they take care of the rest. And uh, like I said, those that report, I got my first report. It's incredible. Um, and so they, you know, they tell you what they found, where they found it, when, what was removed. It's, it's really a huge peace of mind, huge weight off my back. So take control of your data. Keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash dailybeans and use promo code dailybeans at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to use this URL, joindeleteme.com slash dailybeans and enter code dailybeans at checkout. Again, that's joindeleteme.com slash dailybeans, code dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from Charisma Madarong at Rolling Stone. Elon Musk, whose anti-Semitic remarks have been at the center of a mass X, formerly Twitter exodus, <laughs> told advertisers boycotting the company to go fuck yourself during the New York Times deal book summit on Wednesday. I think X could stand for exodus at this point. Quote, it's going to kill the company, Musk lamented of the ongoing boycott, adding, that will be what bankrupts the company, and that is what everyone on Earth will know. He's really big on the Earth. He really is. Quote, don't advertise, said Musk while speaking on a stage at the summit moderated by Times financial columnist Andrew Ross Sorkin. After Sorkin asked, you don't want them to advertise? The CEO promptly answered, no. Before continuing, if someone's trying to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. And then added, hey, Bob, presumably directed at Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, one of the companies who's boycotting X. Earlier this month, a report by the watchdog group Media Matters found that ads for brands like Apple, Bravo, Amazon, all, the, all kinds of big, huge advertisers had appeared on X next to white nationalist hashtags such as hashtag WLM, which is White Lives Matter, or hashtag Keep Europe White. Now, following the report, ex-advertisers Disney, Apple, Lionsgate, Comcast, NBC Universal, which is <laughs> Linda Biaccarino used to work mm -hmm. for, IBM, they all decided to sever ties with the platform. The social media company owned by Musk later sued the media watchdog group for defamation, alleging the nonprofit maliciously tried to drive away advertisers, basically saying, yeah, you're right about all this, but you're just being mean. That's basically what the lawsuit says. Concern over brand safety on X has spiked after Musk endorsed a post accusing Jewish communities of promoting dialectical hatred against whites. When responding on stage at DealBook, The Verge reported that Musk called his anti-Semitic post a mistake. He added, I should, in retrospect, not have replied to that one person and should have written in greater length what I meant. But those clarifications were ignored by the media. And essentially, I handed a loaded gun to those who hate me and arguably to those who are anti-Semitic. And for that, I'm quite sorry. That was not my intention. Despite his acknowledgement, the billionaire does not appear ready to admit his role in the advertiser boycott. No, he doesn't. And I still think that, like, saying those things on stage, he's trying everything he can to destroy this platform. Uh, uh, there's no there's no other explanation. Of course. All right. Yeah, this one's from Reuters. A U.S. judge 
on Thursday rejected a bid by Texas to block federal immigration authorities from destroying razor wire fencing that the state placed along the border with Mexico to deter illegal border crossings. That's a little bit hard to follow, but I'm going to go slower, mainly because I can't breathe. Now, U.S. District Judge Aliyah Moses in Del Rio, Texas, in a written order, criticized the Biden administration for its utter failure to prevent unlawful entry into the United States, but said Texas was unlikely to prevail on its claims that a federal policy of removing the fencing was illegal. Now, Moses denied the state's motion to block federal officials from destroying the wire fencing pending the outcome of the state's lawsuit filed in October. The judge last month had ordered the federal government to temporarily refrain from cutting or removing the razor wire while she considered the state's motion. The U.S. Department of Justice did not immediately respond to requests for comment. As we know, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, that piece of crap, who we don't even have to say is a Republican, we know that, said in a statement that his office was appealing the decision. And this is a quote from him. I'm disappointed that the federal government's blatant and disturbing efforts to subvert law and order at our state's border with Mexico will be allowed to continue. This National Guard is part of, and I quote, Operation Lone Star, which is an initiative launched by Republican Texas Governor Abbott in 2021 aimed at deterring illegal border crossings. Paxton's lawsuit claims U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents recently stepped up an existing practice of cutting, destroying, or otherwise damaging wire that the state has strategically placed with a landowner's permission. On Thursday, Moses said Texas had not shown at this early stage of the case that the federal government's conduct amounted to a final agency action that can be challenged under a federal law governing rulemaking by agencies. Now, Texas is separately defending its authority to install floating buoys in the middle of the Rio Grande to deter migrants. These aren't just floating buoys. We've covered this. They're fucking razor blades attached to these. Now, a federal judge at the Biden administration's request in September ordered the thousand foot barrier removed, but an appeals court allowed it to remain in place temporarily while Paxton's office pursues an appeal. So this is a mess down there. It's inhumane. It's pretty awful. And they're not just barriers to get people to cross the border. They're actually killing and maiming people. Yeah. And this judge, no matter what you think of Biden's border policy, which I would actually call Congress's border policy because they're the ones who can pass. Yeah, but that doesn't fly with the right if you call it the Congress. <laughs> I know. I know. They don't know about those other two branches of government. That's right. The, the thing is, is that it is the federal government's job. And it, it is not the state government's job. And so that's why this judge is like, no matter what I think of Biden, it's the federal government. They can do what they want with the border policy. And and you're, you know, this razor wire is, um, you know, I, I, she that's where her comments and mine begin. Right. It's, it's, it's slicing people up. It's it's killing children like the Biden administration is, is getting rid of it. They have every authority to get rid of it. And, um, you know, if you want if you want uh, border reform, pass a goddamn bill. All right. Next up from Matt Friedman at Politico. A former server at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster alleges he was sexually harassed and coerced into sex by a supervisor, then tricked into signing an illegal non-disclosure agreement by Alina Haba. The former server, Alice Bianco, made the allegations in a lawsuit against Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster filed Wednesday in New Jersey's Middlesex County Superior Court. Trump is not named as a defendant in the suit. The allegations date back to 2021 when Bianco, who was then 21, claims club food and beverage manager Pavel Melishar 
harassed her and forcibly attempted to kiss her, retaliated against her with an unfair job assignment or uh, multiple unfair job assignments, and eventually required her to, quote, engage in sex as a quid pro quo for continued employment and, quote unquote, protection. That's according to the lawsuit, which does not name Melishar as the defendant. According to the lawsuit, Bianco learned that an unnamed co-worker was writing a letter to Donald Trump's personal staff about Melishar's alleged sexual harassment and told her of her own experiences, which the co-worker alluded to in the letter. After it was delivered, Bianco said she got a call from Human Resources and decided to hire a lawyer. That's when Haba, a member of the club, allegedly approached Bianco pretending to be a friend and telling her she'd heard about the situation and she wanted to help. Haba, in an email to Politico, said, quote, I always conduct myself ethically. I can't read this. I can't. Oh, my God. She said, I always conduct myself ethically and acted no differently in this circumstance. Oh, well, the last part's definitely true. She acted no differently in this circumstance. There we go. Reached by phone on Thursday about the allegations. Melishar said, I don't know anything about it. and I have nothing to say. A receptionist at Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster referred Politico to the Trump Organization, which did not immediately respond to an online inquiry because they're all in fucking court testifying. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, is there anybody there that can help us? Well, no, that guy's in jail. This one is the... Is there anybody? Well, we normally we put Fooderfoss on the phone, but he's trying to keep Dale Overa from destroying videotape. We're all kind of wrapped up here at the moment at the Trump organizations. All right, McConaughey's crying on the stand, said he got subpoenaed by the feds. We, It's just, it's a bad time. Call back uh, in 2028 if we exist as an organization. Or, or as a country. <laughs> <laughs> it's one or the other. Oh, Either Jesus. the Trump work is going down or democracy is. Jesus Christ. Haba, according to the lawsuit, encouraged Bianco to fire the lawyer and forwarded her negative article about him. Is this the guy? Be careful, she wrote, according to text messages appended to the lawsuit. Wow, that is a fucking unethical as fuck. Haba then allegedly invited Bianco into her car during her shift and discouraged her from going public with her story, saying she could protect her if Bianco signed a simple non-disclosure agreement that included a penalty of $1,000 a day if she violated it. No big. Oh, my God. You're just a server. You're 21. In exchange for what the lawsuit described as a paltry sum, the lawsuit does not say how much the sum was. Alina Haba used the unethical silencing of my client, Ali Bianco, as a way to propel herself into Trump's inner circle. Her behavior was predatory. Pretending to be neutral when acting on behalf of one party is clearly unethical. That's Bianco's attorney, Nancy Erica Smith. Her and I are on the same page. Quote, after plaintiff signed, Haba told plaintiff that she better not try to sell her story to the media because she would owe Trump the settlement proceeds and the media would only pay about $3,000. Wow. The lawsuit seeks to stop the golf club from enforcing the NDA, allow Bianca to keep the settlement money, pay Bianca's legal fees, and refer Haba's unethical behavior to the New Jersey Office of Attorney Ethics. Yay! She's only had a million dollars in sanctions already. Maybe we can get her disbarred. Smith said Bianco is not seeking any additional monetary damages. Quote, this is something I've worked for my whole career, Smith said in a phone interview. It's giving her voice back. It's outrageous to be victimized and then be told you can't talk about it. The lawsuit claims Haba groomed Bianco into believing she was her friend and that her law firm ultimately drafted the nondisclosure agreement that she signed, which Haba claimed would not be taxed in payments for therapy. What? 
Neither was true. According to the suit, and New Jersey since 2019 has barred nondisclosure agreements in cases of workplace harassment. Weeks later, according to the suit, it became public that Haba worked as an attorney for Trump. Haba was not nationally well-known at the time before she represented the former president. In January, she made headlines when a federal judge in Florida sanctioned her. Oh, they brought up my sanctions, ordering her to pay a ne- nearly a million dollars in legal costs for 31 defendants, including Hillary Clinton and some of my co-hosts on other podcasts like Pete Strzok and Annie McCabe. Uh, Haba in September also quietly settled a radical discrimination lawsuit brought by a former employee. Great. Quote, I didn't know my rights. I didn't know Alina wasn't supposed to discuss a case with me without my lawyer present. I didn't know New Jersey had banned non-disclosure agreements for victims of sexual harassment. That's what Bianco said, uh, who is now a recording artist. In a statement, she said that all I knew was the person claiming to be my friend and advisor threw me into a trash can as soon as she pressured me into silence. So, so, so gross. All right. I'm going to pause right now and give a trigger warning for this next story of sexual assault. So if you'd like to pause or skip this story, please, please protect yourselves and your well-being. Um, And this is from Florida Center of Government Accountability. It seems Christian Ziegler, Florida's GOP chairman and husband of Sarasota County School Board member and who? Moms for Liberty co-founder Bridget Ziegler. Well, he's under criminal investigation after a woman filed a complaint with the Sarasota Police Department alleging the longtime Republican official had raped her. That's according to a heavily redacted police report obtained by the Florida Trident. Now, the complaint was filed on October 4th, and the alleged sexual battery occurred inside the woman's home in Sarasota. This is according to the report. Among the few words that went unredacted in the report are the words rape and sexual battery. The woman, according to sources close to the investigation, alleged that she and both Zieglers had been involved in a long-standing consensual three-way sexual relationship prior to the incident. Now, the incident under investigation by Sarasota police occurred when Christian Ziegler and the woman were alone at the woman's house without Bridget present. That's what the sources conveyed. They also said they corroborated that a search warrant was executed at Christian Ziegler's cell phone, on his cell phone, and that investigators continue to conduct a forensic examination of the electronic device. Christian Ziegler is also alleged to have secretly videotaped the sexual encounters between the couple and the woman. This is, again, what sources have said. Now, the Trident requested the police incident report for the investigation on Sunday. The Sarasota City Attorney's Office confirmed the existence of the report, but had not supplied it as of press time. Now, there have been no charges filed in the case, and the Trident is unaware whether the woman's allegations have even been substantiated. A voicemail was left with Mr. Ziegler for comment, and a message was left at Bridget Ziegler's school board office. Neither had been returned prior to publishing this specific story. The Zieglers are one of Florida's top political power couples in the GOP. Christian Ziegler is a longtime Republican Party official who served as vice chairman of the state party prior to his election as chair in February. And prior to that, he was a Sarasota County commissioner who ran on an, I quote, family values platform. Of course Just remember, and nothing's wrong with threesome, but he's also having a threesome with this other woman, supposedly. Now, Bridget Ziegler is perhaps best known as the co-founder of the right-wing group Moms for Liberty. Apparently, there's a lot of liberty there. (laughs) And for helping lay the groundwork for DeSantis' Florida Parental Rights and Education Act. Also, we know that as Don't Say Gay Bill. Now, Ziegler, which is now a law, unfortunately. Ziegler has been a leading anti-trans activist because she's a horrible human being and critical race theory opponent who has said her aim is to bring, and I quote, religious values into schools. Go fuck yourself. So the next thing, I guess, is that threesomes are great as long as you're white and Christian. Yeah. 
Uh, or okay. yeah, as long as everyone is cis, who knows? Who really knows? Cis white. Okay. All yeah. Right. Now she's currently a salaried vice president of the Conservative Leadership Institute, which recently opened an office in Sarasota. And as the institute, she oversees a school board training program that she says teaches trans moms and dads how to run for school board when and then govern. And you know, these fuckers that protest and are so outspoken about the trans community, the gay and lesbian community, these are the ones like Falwell. Like these are the stories that you hear that come out when a pool boy, you know, gets, gets, you know, tells the story or when this person credibly accuses this man of rape, like these people are hiding so much shit behind closed doors that I feel like they feel like they're doing repentance by trying to, you know, take down the the, the 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 minorities that they think are causing havoc on the world. I, I just fucking can't. I'm so disgusted with all these people. I hope that if this guy is guilty of rape, listen, like I said, threesome, everyone's consenting adult. But if he raped her, I hope he gets put away. Yeah, that. And I mean, how do you be a Moms for Liberty person and proponent of the Don't Say Gay bill? I mean, I get, are they are Moms for Liberty going to put out an ad saying it's not gay if it's in a three-way? Like, is that... I guess so. Yeah, because mom sounds like she's being super gay in a threesome. Yeah. Yeah, And hey, bit. like I said, probably the coolest thing about these people. Honestly. Right, exactly. That's why I'm all of that. Like when, when um, we thought uh, Ted Cruz accidentally liked a porn tweet, I was like, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Get it. Get it, Ted. Hey, thanks for having some... Yeah, one redeeming fucking quality, you POS. <laughs> Oh my God, I sound whiny and annoyed and COVID-y, but I just am so sick of all these people. It's, and, and especially if they're just trying to erase you, you know, it's like, fuck. Ugh. That's right. All right. Everybody, we have Fugal Sang Friday right after this quick break. And then of course, the good news. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Fridays. That means it's Fugal Sang Fridays. And I am joined by my good friend, host of the Tell Me Everything show on Sirius XM Progress Channel 127, weeknights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And also, it is an incredible podcast you can now listen to for free. Please welcome John Fugelsang. Hi, my friend. Hey, Allison. I hope you're enjoying that Nikki Haley momentum as much as we are, huh? Wow. Oh, yeah. It's blowing oh. me away. <laughs> she's uh, she's finally climbed to the top of uh, being a distant second in the race. It's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. And and speaking of uh, top of, of di- you know, distant second, uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about the same thing we kind of talked about. Uh, last week, but we've got a little bit of a clearer picture now. Actually, you can see on the TV behind me as we're recording this, uh, they are debating the expulsion of one George Santos. And I honestly, I just talked to Pete Strzok about this for the cleanup on aisle 45 bonus. I don't know where to put my money. I don't know because first of all, the Republicans aren't whipping votes. They're not counting and they're right. not good at counting anyway. That's right. It seems like the Democrats are going to vote for expulsion, but I don't know. I haven't really looked into that. But, um, you know, I haven't looked closely at what maybe like Jamie Raskin would do, who voted against it for due process reasons the last time. But maybe the third time's a charm. They do need two thirds of a vote. My feeling is, is that they don't have the votes and he's going to be sticking around. And I know that you're for that. I am very much for that. Yeah. I, you know, I have an extremely unpopular opinion about George Santos. And I, I I don't know why. I'm not really sure why my point of view is so unpopular. But yeah, I, I think there's a very good chance he will be expelled. I think they've got 90 Republicans. The last I heard, there's 90 ready to vote to get rid of the guy. And quite honestly, that's a smart play for these Republicans. It's only one more year. 
They can they, they can enjoy having a three vote lead in the House instead of a four vote lead for one year. And they're not getting anything done anyway. It's not like they're not trying to pass anything. Anything anyway. And again, if they were to expel him, they'd have to have a special election. I can guarantee you that seat would go for a Democrat because Joe Biden won the district by 12 points. And, you know, let's just say probably Santos voters might be a little sheepish this time. So I think that, uh, you know, it, it's obviously good for the Democrats in that level. But I think the Democrats have a lot more value for them in terms of their fundraising and their prospects for 2024 by keeping George Santos a member of the Republican caucus. I, I've said it many times. They need to walk, wake up every day, grab Santos by the ankles and beat the rest of the Republican Party with him. They need to make him very even more famous than he is now, point to him every day and say, look, that's acceptable to them. Uh, and Republicans know this, too. I mean, you're right. Nothing much will change. Democrats will not get a lead in the House for the next year if they get rid of Santos. I, I think they do much better keeping him there as a symbol of all that is wrong with the Republican Party. They will fundraise off this guy. Instead, most likely by this time next year, his OAN series will already have been canceled. Would you like, though, for the Democrats to say we didn't vote for expulsion because we want him to be the poster boy for the Republican Party. So we aren't going to do what we think is right. We're going to do what we think is best for democracy and the party. Well, what what is right? Getting rid of him because he lies to people, because he lied about 9-11. They should have impeached Bush because he lied about his religious beliefs, because he lied about uh, uh, LGBTQ issues and lied about the, the Holocaust. I mean, there's so many liars in this body. If anything, they can get rid of him for, you know, obviously his crimes and corruption. But he hasn't been convicted. And I don't think they've ever expelled a member of the House who wasn't a Confederate or wasn't already convicted. Trafficant had to get convicted before they got rid of him, and he was a Democrat. So I think they've got a reasonable argument saying a House investigation is not the same as a trial and due process. Uh, but, you know, they can use whatever reason they want. I think the Democrats are smart to keep him in there and come up with whatever, whatever political cover story they like. Most likely, though, based on all that I've heard, they they're going to get rid of him and you miss the chance to enjoy using him for their fundraising purposes for the next year. Yeah. And I don't know that it would necessarily be a cover, a political cover story to keep him because he hasn't been convicted. Yeah. You know, when I read Jamie Raskin's statement, he didn't say that an ethics committee report would be considered due process, but I took it to mean that it would be the judicial due process right. of the criminal courts of the United States uh, and federal criminal yep. code. But he didn't specifically point that out either. So, yeah, you're right. I don't know that it would necessarily be a, a cover story. I, I, I know that they aren't going to come out and say, oh, we want to keep him as an albatross around Republicans neck. That's why we're not voting. I know they wouldn't do that. But I know they wouldn't do that. That's what I, that's that's my job every day on Sirius XM to coach them that way. But yeah. They'd have to be a bit smarter than that. I'm allowed to, you know, be a be a pontificating clown in that way. I, I just kind of feel like it, it seems like it's done. It seems like the the GOP establishment is done with this guy being an embarrassment. And you're you made the best point of all. It's not like they're doing anything in the House anyway for the next year. It won't really matter where the balance of power goes. Yeah, a three seat advantage and a four seat advantage. <laughs> Seriously, there's really not a, a, a mathematical difference there. Oh, I'll miss him. Though. I'll miss him as a fan of comedy. I'll miss him so much. <laughs> so you think he he will probably be expelled? You think they have enough Republicans and that the Democrats are going to vote to expel? I do, and I'm, I, it gives me no pleasure to say it because it gives me great pleasure to see him, you know, damaging the party. But I think that they have uh, 
realized he's worth more to them gone and they look better having expelled him than they look defending him. And again, McCarthy was going to keep him no matter what. I, I, I mean, Mike Johnson's already told him that he should resign. Right. He was trying to give him to resign. He was I feel like he was postponing the vote a little bit here yeah. and there to give him he more chance. time to resign. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I if Mike Johnson's telling him to resign, uh, their hand is forced. I think that they're going to they're going to get rid of him. There'll be 90 votes on his side. Well, we'll know later today uh, as the t- the day this episode airs. December 1st is when the vote is later this afternoon. All right. Let's talk about your your good pal, everyone's good friend, uh, Henry Kissinger, who is dead at what, age 100, I believe? Age 100. In human years, he was 100. Yes. Uh, in his earth and human form, uh, this this lizard person lived to be 100 earth years. Um, you know, what? what really can you say? I think it's great after he did so much to kill so many Cambodian civilians, and the Khmer Rouge did so much to kill so many Cambodian civilians. I think it's great Kissinger and the Khmer Rouge can finally spend time together in the same place. I think the big debate here is about speaking ill of the dead. And I kind of feel like giving this guy a pass is not speaking well for the living. Uh, I, I think that it is very important when someone as singularly evil as Henry Kissinger dies that we don't wish any harm on his surviving family. If there's anyone who's weeping for his loss, anyone who loved him, uh, they have my sympathies. But I, I think we we have to, have to talk about the corrosive indifference to human suffering this man embodied his entire career and 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 lied about, by the way. He was still lying about his, his career well into his 90s. To me, the real question is, you know, what Democrats are going to put, you know, whenever someone dies, and a celebrity dies and everyone posts pictures of themselves with a the celebrity. How many Democrats are going to do that? When Bernie Sanders came out and said, I am very proud to not be friends with Henry Kissinger and never be mentored by him. I, I think that gave a lot of people in the Democratic Party permission to stop pretending they respect this monster. So, you know, um, again, prayers for his family. Uh, it's great that he won the first ever Nobel Peace Prize for spin. But um, I, I, his death is a great occasion to talk about what makes a bloody-handed warmonger, rotten human being. And I, I I just feel like we're doing a disservice to all that is good by uh, playing nice about this man's record. Yes, Anthony Bourdain uh, once famously said, once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. Yep. I mean, uh, talk a little bit about what he did to, to Cambodia. I mean, when the war in Vietnam expanded into neighboring Cambodia, Kissinger approved over 3,800 bombing raids between 1969 and 1970, again, almost 4,000 bombing raids. And the bombs that Henry Kissinger personally approved killed half a million Cambodian civilians and led to the Cambodian Civil War. For those of your listeners who have seen The Killing Fields, if you haven't seen The Killing Fields, it's one of the best American movies of the last 50 years. Everyone should see it. But it led to the rise of the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot whose regime killed over 2 million Cambodians. It was a true Holocaust that Henry Kissinger helped allow to happen. And they they slaughtered everyone. They said, this is the year zero. And anyone with any education is a threat. So they killed anyone with a college degree. They, they killed anyone who wore glasses and looked educated. I mean, they slaughtered 2 million people. It's a miracle that, that Dithpran, uh, Sidney Schonberg's translator from The Killing Fields, ever survived. And were it not for that movie, I don't think a lot of people would even know about what happened in Cambodia. And it's tragic. Henry Kissinger signed off on this, and it led to, again, 
500,000 died directly because of his bombs. Another 2 million died because of the civil war that followed his bombings. I mean, there, there, there's this guy should be buried in a lead box. I mean, there's there's no way around it. Yeah. And in fact, it's 2023. And only now is Cambodia starting to to piece itself together and, and become whole again uh, after after what happened. Uh, so, yeah, everybody definitely needs to see the killing fields. I mean, it's amazing. In a 24 hour period, we lost Kissinger and then Shane McGowan of the Pogues and like mm. a monster and a poet at the same time. Just mm. incredible. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it's I actually <laughs> I actually noticed that uh, as well. That's it's interesting. It's interesting that you that you brought that up. Any final things you want to uh, talk about before we before we go into the weekend here? I mean, we're going to get the Santos vote. We'll be able to talk about the the outcome of that next week. Um, we had a little bit of a Senate rules shakeup in the Senate Judiciary today for a, yeah. a, a subpoena of Leonard Leo and Harlan Crow, and it was nice to see. Can you believe it? Will that ever happen? Will those men ever testify publicly? I I, I can't even picture it. No, but it was nice to see the Democrats change the rules and get these subpoenas pushed through despite Republicans wanting to anchor it with 177 amendments and debate it for years and years. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, it, that caused Republicans to walk out. Uh, we also had, uh, I guess, Rand Paul did the Heimlich maneuver on Joni Ernst, and then Joni Ernst made some political statement about how she was choking on woke policies, which is just the weirdest thing I've uh, seen uh, her say. Thoughts on that? That's saying quite a lot from the hog castrating lady. I mean, look, Joni Ernst is all squeal and no bacon, and she's just a great, big, amoral zero pretending to stand up for the people of Iowa when she's just another cog in the machine for millionaires getting tax cuts. I mean, I'm glad she's okay. Uh, God bless Rand Paul for saving her. She deserves a long, happy life, and I hope her brush with mortality brings some empathy into her heart. That's the, the best possible resolution we could see. I mean, you know... It didn't seem I, I, to right after the fact when she no, joked about know. choking on woke policies. I mean, what can I say about Joni Ernst? Her her hairstyles have gotten so much better since she got to the Senate. I'll I'll say that for her. That's 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 about it. I mean, this is a week when we should be talking about people like Rosalind Carter, you know. But instead, it's it's these never ending parade of miscreants and frauds. And and I mean, Joni Ernst is is what she is. She's fine. She's what should be expected. Uh, someone who embellished her record and who is you know sold herself as being a champion of the working class when in reality you know her voting record it's it's mm. it's the republican politics 101 just tell the white people who they should be afraid of and then get their vote and make the rich richer boom what did you think of uh, melania showing up to rosalind carter's memorial service alone well uh i mean she showed up to barbara bush's service alone so i wasn't right. really surprised. yeah i wasn't really surprised about it um uh, you know as you know i'm just looking forward to donald trump's funeral because you know when that day comes Melania is bringing a date. You know that, right? She's going to wear scarlet and bring a date to her husband's funeral. But uh, good for her for showing up. Um, you know, she's uh, good for her for showing up. A lot of a lot of people on the left made a big to do about her not wearing black. Um, that was a bit misplaced, I thought. I think she was wearing a black dress underneath her gray coat. And of course, 
We have plenty of evidence of other first ladies wearing gray to funerals before. Gray is appropriate for a funeral. Um, what got my goat was all of the right wing people defending her and saying how classy she looked in front of all of these drab people. And I, I had someone saying Melania upstaged all these losers wearing black. And I'm like, it's a goddamn funeral for a decent person. Melania Trump is a racist who is indifferent to a terrorist attack on our capital, spread lies that the first black president wasn't one of us and deliberately wore her. I don't really care to you shirt to visit poor people. I mean, <laughs> We, we can say it was nice of her to show up. It doesn't change the fact that she's a pretty corrosive, awful person. Yeah, very true. Thank yeah. you, my friend. Everybody make sure to tune in to Tell Me Everything. It's weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific at Sirius XM Progress Channel 127. And of course, if you don't have Sirius XM, you can now get the podcast, The John Fuglesang Show. You don't want to miss it. I, re, you know, I love our Friday chats, my friend. I do too. Yeah. Uh, by the way, can I just say really quick, this whole thing with the Cokes going behind Nikki Haley, I began the Ooh. show talking about it, but to me, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the Cokes aren't as powerful in politics for the Republicans as they were 10 years ago, but these guys really don't want Trump to win the nomination. And I get that. And it's a real uh, uh, F you to Ron DeSantis, which means the angels are smiling today. But what makes me crazy about it, Allison, and I'm, I'm, I'm not ready for this is the next year of our media calling Nikki Haley a moderate. I just want to remind your wonderful, deeply moral, deeply sexy listeners that Nikki Haley is not a moderate. She's a political opportunist with no core beliefs who will say anything and change any opinion to advance her career. And she always has been. She was campaigning hardcore with Herschel Walker just 11 months ago. And he believes abortion should be illegal even when the mother's life is in danger. Nikki Haley will do nothing to make it harder for criminals to get guns. She wants to raise Social Security age to 70. She is not a moderate. But I think it's great that she's willing to take the Koch brothers' money and redistribute their wealth for no good reason. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. And we will definitely be keeping an eye on that as 2024 heats up. Again, everybody tune in to uh, Sirius Progress XM, Sirius XM Progress Channel 127 for Tell Me Everything in the John Fugelsang podcast. Best, Allison. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, everyone. Then good news, everyone. Good news. Good and if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the whatever, what the what I'm seriously, if you want us to even just to like guess what kind of animal it is, that's what I'm going to do from now on, Dana, when they do a what the mutt, I'm just going to be like, it's a dog. I got it. 100%. It's a dog. <laughs> but we'll guess whatever you want us to guess. Um, and uh, we appreciate that. And I always love your uh, corrections for pronunciations. Uh, we really appreciate those too. I was an avid reader when I was a kid. And so I read a lot of work. It took me forever to find out what A-W-R-Y wasn't Auri, you know? So like, I, I appreciate the pronunciation corrections. If you have a shout out to a loved one, small business in your area, if you don't have pod pet tax, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area. We could see if we can help you get a forever home for that baby. Whatever you want to send us, baby pictures, holiday photos, frog orgies, send it into us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. All right. First up, uh, just a heads up for patrons. This Friday's happy hour will start at 5 p.m. Pacific because I'm traveling all day. If my flight is delayed, that will probably also be delayed. Um, but we're going to I'm going to do my best to to get home and sign on to the Zoom happy hour at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the happy hour this afternoon. Uh, first up, Graham of seven. 
with no pronouns. Just wanted to send good vibes to DG. COVID's been running through our area also, and it's absolutely no fun. So to cheer her up a bit, I'm sending baby photos of my two oldest granddaughters, now both nine years old, because baby photos make everything better. Dana, when you were gone, I asked everybody to send in the baby photos. Oh, thank you for doing that. And they really do. Look at these two little cherubs. Oh, they're angels. They're perfect. Thank you, Graham of Seven. Beautiful. All right. This one's from Kelly, pronouns she and her. Hello, lovely ladies and fellow Beans listeners. Just wanted to drop a quick note saying a big thank you to you all for being awesome. I start my mornings every day listening to the Daily Beans, and it gives me the right blend of hope and determination to make this world a little better each day. Pot Pet Tax is my girl, Sue. Every morning when I get up, she hops into my spot and lays like a human with her head on my pillow. This morning, she didn't want to get up and was covering her eyes with her paw. Can you guess her breed? I'll include another pick to make it a little easier. Thanks again for all you do. Oh, she's pretending to be asleep. She's pretending to be asleep. That is so adorable. Is she a Ridgeback? Vishla? I see Lab. Golden? This is probably just like one breed that I've never heard of. All right, let's see. It's a dog. It's a dog. Good it's job. A dog. Thank you. Also a Red Fox Labrador Retriever. Oh, so a red so, lab. There you go. She's beautiful, whatever she is. Well, now we know, but she's beautiful. Yes, she is. Thank you for that. And what a great little submission. And I love that your dog does this. It's so cute. All right. Next up from Steve B. No pronouns. I was not going to listen to the refried beans until I saw the name Andrew Weissman in the title. So glad I did. Got Andrew's book via Audible. I listened to so many already, including Jack and other MSW shows and as well. And I didn't want to take the time, but I'm glad I changed my mind. Thanks, Steve B. I want you to I want you all to know I hand select these episodes myself. I go back. I look at what happened the same week in 2022, 2021 and 2020. And I like hand pick them uh, for the best ones. So I'm glad you're enjoying them. Look at these angels in the sink. So sweet. Little Little kitties in the scene. I'm going to take the next one, too, because that was pretty short. Go for it. Next up from Tamlin pronouns, he and him. Hello, Beans Queens. Just a note of appreciation for your work and presentation and for becoming becoming part of my morning routine. Hearing about the tits lately, just want to give a shout out to the folks at Titmouse Studios, the animation house that contributes animation to shows like Star Trek Lower Decks, Spider-Verse movies, The Venture Brothers, etc. Incredible, Tamlin. Titmouse Studios. No current pod pets, but sharing a photo of the now shining unholy trio that kept me sane-ish a decade ago. The big blacks are Bagheera and Turlo, also known as Das Uberkat, as he weighed in over 20 pounds. The wow. fluffy white lady is Electra Wigglebutt. Long may she reign. Wonderful friends still in my heart. Thank you for everything. <gasps> it's the Sistine Chapel of Chonkers. And look at, look at Electra Wigglebutt. She's beautiful. Cute. Cute, cute, cute. All right. This is from Ian, pronounced he and him. Hello, beanies. I have a two-for-one holiday special today. Chick kids say and misheard song lyrics. I've been influencing my four-year-old into the world of Weird Al and have the running with scissors CD in my car. I love running with scissors. Hmm. So sometimes when we've been driving home from our universal pre-K, thanks NYS, or going to YMCA, I'll throw Albuquerque on because it's the perfect length for the drive. She started catching on to the lyrics, and I've caught her saying the donut shop section to herself after we stop, and she loves to scream, I hate sauerkraut. <laughs> Best of all, she sings the chorus as Al, 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 Albuquerque. <laughs> yep. 
Now for pod pet tags. Here's a winter from our Maryland Thanksgiving trip. She's two-year-old Aussie Pooh. Oh, an Aussie Pooh who loves my beautiful wife as much as I do. Look at this baby. Oh, look at the Aussie Pooh. It's like a Muppet. Love it. So adorable. Thank you for that, Ian. That's so great. And yeah, it's never too late or too early to get the kids into Weird Al. He's fantastic. Every time I go to a Weird Al show, there's babies there up to 100-year-olds there. Everybody knows. I remember we one time it was like he played back-to-back uh, Anakin, you know, to the, the, the tune of American Pie, Bye Bye, Who's This Anakin Guy? And then yeah. he played Yoda for us elders uh, to the tune of Lola. And it was great to see all the... The elders singing Lola and all the kids doing all the lyrics to Anakin and we're all like looking at each other like, hey, this guy has spanned multiple generations with amazing fucking shit. It's just a cool experience to go to a Weird Al show if you ever get a chance. Next up, ATX Polar Bear, pronouns he and him. Greetings, my lovely butterfly peas. Aw. For a laugh, look it up on Wikipedia. Uh, I'm kind of, oh, I see. I hope Dana is feeling better by the time you read this. I'm a relatively new listener. After a year of following AG on Twitter, I love the Daily Beans, Jack Cleanup on aisle 45, and now the Refried Beans. My good news is inspired by hearing about all the great work DG does for the LGBTQI plus community. Oh, thank you. While cleaning out some old files cluttering my home earlier this month, I came across a collection of files dating back to my younger days of political organization in the early 1990s. Specifically, I was a delegate to national planning meetings for a march on Washington for lesbian and gay rights. Among the printed material from the event were some of my handwritten notes and related drafts of motions and decisions. Back then, we struggled with substantial divisiveness between the groups involved. Lesbians, drag queens, gay men, AIDS activists, leather community reps, African gay groups, PFLAG, indigenous peoples, reproductive rights activists, progressive activists, and various national political orgs. NGLTF was the leader at the time. And there was a point at which it seemed like the planning meeting was about to break down. Understand in, 90, in 1991, New York activists were already planning a 1994 celebration of the 25th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, and there were some heated arguments about competition for participants. During one of the breaks, I pulled together Urvashi Vayed, NGLTF executive director. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Urvashi, Urvashi Vayed. Urvashi Vayed. Thank you so much, Dana. Absolutely. A rep for the New York City organizers and a third person representing some of the more marginalized groups. I asked them to discuss a compromise I had drafted. My proposal, I found two handwritten draft versions of it, illustrates how difficult coalition building was back then. Ultimately, as history shows, all of the parties agreed to proceed with the planning for both events, and we had a national march on Washington in 1993 and a Stonewall celebration in New York City in 94. While today I don't consider my involvement in the planning for the final 1993 event to be very memorable, this one memory of my role in helping keep the disparate groups talking and working together fills me with fondness. I couldn't but wanted to attach two of my historical documents, one my initial opening statement for the meeting and two the handwritten draft version of my compromise proposal that the small group agreed to, allowing the planning meeting to move forward. So for pod pet tax, here's a picture of my two 12-year-old kitties. They're siblings, and they come from a larger litter of polydactyl cats. Aww. That's an incredible submission. These are beautiful kitties, but what an incredible, what incredible work. Absolutely, and to have any sort of interaction. Um, so Urvishi is actually Alok's aunt. I don't know if you know that. Alok, the spoken word poet, it's their aunt. And Urvashi for years, has, was just an incredible, incredible activist. Um, Kate Clinton's wife 
and we lost her just a couple of years ago. So to be able to have this, I mean, it's just, thanks for all the, the, the what you did. I mean, that's beautiful. Polar, polar bear. Yeah. Incredible. Amazing. Uh, and uh, is this our, is this our last submission? Go for it. Oh, here we go. Uh, scroll down, scroll down. Oh, it's tiny. This is from grandma. And it just says baby pig and pet packs for Dana. Get well soon. And there is a child in a high chair just laughing. The joy, the absolute joy. And there's a pup in the picture too. That's absolutely beautiful. Thank you, grandma. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Everybody keeps sending your baby pictures in. They give Dana the lifeblood she needs to to heal. Seriously. Um, we appreciate all of these submissions so much. Send your send your uh, good news to us at uh, dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. Again, we have a 5 p.m. happy hour today. If you want to become a patron, if you've been on the fence for a while, now would be a good time getting into two, 2024 and the election going forward. You can do that at patreon.com slash wrote. We'll see you uh, Sunday uh, on the Jack episode. I've already recorded the Clean up on aisle 45 bonus for patrons. That's out there. And Dana, we'll be back in your ears on Monday. And please send your healing vibes to my good friend, Dana. Do you have any final thoughts, my dear? Um, Just uh, some show announcements. I know I do this at the end of some of the shows. I got some shows coming up in 2024. And I know a lot of you need a little more um, advance notice than I've given you. Two of them are in Florida. One of them's near Bend, Oregon. And uh, I'll be at the Tampa Improv on January 28th. That's a Sunday. I will be in Bend, Oregon on March 8th for the big uh, gay ski week there. And it's open to everyone. The show is open to everyone in the area. So if you're in Eugene or Portland and you want to take a drive into Bend, it's going to be at an awesome, uh, a wonderful venue. And um, the next one is going to be on my birthday, April 12th. And that's in Fort Lauderdale at the Sunshine Cathedral. I'd love to spend my birthday with you. So if you're in any of those three cities, I'll be posting more dates, of course. But go to my website. It's danagoldberg.com. And click on appearances and you can get tickets now. And I have to tell you, Leguminati, I have seen Dana Goldberg live and is seriously one of the best live comedy shows I've been to. You, my friend, you are brilliantly funny. Thank um, you, AG. Biting wit, super sharp, hilarious. It's, it's so, it's just, it's, it'll, it'll, it'll clean your soul. You're very good to me. I appreciate you of what ails you. No problem, my friend. And, and again, please get well rest this weekend. We'll see you all tonight at the happy hour for patrons. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Boat blue over Q. And please take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>